0: The gig pod.
1: For me it's difficult because if Chelsea aren't playing well or they need something to get someone to get them out of it I don't think they have it So I think they're in a difficult place
2: Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now OTB GAA The Football Pod on Off The Ball In partnership with AIB Proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships Hashtag The Toughest
0: Hello there, and you're very welcome along to episode nine of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. There is a very, very busy weekend of football ahead. It's going to be round six of the National Football Leagues, and every single match matters this weekend. James and Paddy, we're going to get into that in a couple of minutes time, but Sunday night, some terribly sad news came out that the awfully senior football coach, a Kerry native, Liam Kearns, had passed away at just the age of 60 after a short illness. Liam is somebody who would have had a huge influence on football over the last 30 years, whether it be at colleges, club level, his own playing days with Austin Stacks and even County. He would have coached Limerick, that great Limerick team, in the early 2000s to, to a Munster final and to Division One. They had that epic draw and replay against Kerry in 2004. He would have taken over the Leash side after Mick O'Dwyer for a couple of years. Took a wee break then, uh, said that Intercounty, management was getting too big and uh, too big a thing and he wanted to wait until he was retired before he get back retired from the guards before he got back into county management again went uh, coaching at club level with Aherlow and Tip John Evans tapped him up when he took over in Roscommon his good friend and he went up to the Rossies for a little while and then he took over to Tipperary Footballers and he led them on that epic journey to the All-Ireland semi-final um, took over Clondigale in Roscommon I didn't mention that he was involved with Napierci and a host of other clubs as well And, uh, just this year, he had taken over the awfully footballers and they've been flying so far. Took training Sunday morning, James. And according to some of the awfully lads was in great form that morning and just, just showed you what can happen in life. Um, terrible, terrible story.
1: Yeah. I, um, I would have known him well. Um, he obviously did a bit of coaching down here in Kerry. He coached right more, um, to some nice success and he had a great reputation down here, um, and when I was in college in Limerick in UL, he was our manager. And he was unreal. Like we didn't have any we didn't have any real history or anything in UL at the time in terms of the football. It was all hurlers, but Liam certainly brought attention to us. And he was just a fantastic players manager. Do you know that kind of that kind of manager that just looks after the players no matter what? And he just had a just had just such a warm personality to him. And he he made me captain of that team, which I was obviously very proud of. And he was the type of manager as well that made you feel about five times better than you actually were. Do you know that kind of way? And you'd almost be trying to to play up to his opinion of you constantly because he'd, he'd be throwing kind of pos- positivity at you all the time. You'd be trying to live up to, to him because he was just such a such a nice fella and such a, a warm person. And uh, it's just going to be going to be such a, a sad loss for, for football in general. And yeah, I mean... I I got an awful kick to the stomach when I when I heard it, and you know there's so many so many people affected by it, and just want to wish his family all the, all the best, and yeah, R.I.P.
0: Yeah, thoughts go out to his, his his wife and his two daughters and and grandkids and his friends and all the teams he would have coached, Patty Um, just awful stuff.
2: Oh, well, her outlook was the same as I think everyone yesterday it was just. Shock! Couldn't believe so sudden. Obviously, the the loss obviously for his family, and like he th- th- touching on his career and the legacy he's had in the GAA. The GAA is a tight community when anyone kind of suffers a tragedy, but for someone as high profile as Liam was, and the career he's built up, like say, as a player, as a coach, all over the country, he's kind of had success. He's had a positive impact everywhere he's been. So, um. Uh, just just unbelievably sad. Um, and I think you'll see that kind of outpouring of emotion and grief over the next couple of days uh, as the GA community kind of rallies around uh, his wife and obviously his immediate family and there's awfully players. Like it's, as James has said, I'm sure there's hundreds of players around the country who've been impacted positively by, by Liam Kearns over the years. So just uh just a, a awful, awful news. and uh, your heart goes out to everyone affected by it. Um Massive loss and such a young guy for for that to happen. 60, like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hope the family are holding up okay and and his current players were awfully obviously and and anyone affected by it.
1: He played under Miko. My father would have been on the panel and Liam was on the panel as well. So it was kind of um, I said they had a bit of a relationship. And I I was just thinking, if I if I was ever to get into coaching, and you know, you kind of think who could I who could I spend a bit of time with that I'd like to kind of take their style or take a bit of them in yeah. my, in myself. Like Liam would have been a hundred percent up there that you'd go and maybe sit in a few sessions, see how we operated and, and you'd be all the better for it. So such a huge loss.
0: Really? You, that's somebody you would have le- wanted to learn from. It's oh, interesting. Definitely.
1: The way he treated people, like he treated people with respect and it wasn't the case of his managerial side it wasn't tactical or it wasn't, it wasn't new age stuff. It was just Man management, like the way he would turn a, a kind of a good player into a very good player or make your one of your better players feel invincible. So those kind of skills and they're not necessarily managerial traits, like they're just how he was as a person, which probably Harder. says it all really. Yeah. Yeah. There's
0: um there'll be a lot of great pieces, I'm sure, published about Liam Kearns in the next couple of days as people mourn and, and chat about him. But there was a wonderful interview um in the Kerryman newspaper back in 2020, that summer. uh, It was with Damien Stack and the Indo actually republished it today. And it just goes through that Limerick team he took over and the journey and and what he kind of learned from his own playing days. So he was a Stacks club man and he always felt like they completely underachieved in the 80s because Mm. the county boys were focusing on winning All-Irelands. And I think he took a lot from watching the, his own managers at that time and maybe what well, of the wrong. things that went on because I think the, the plan at the time was just give the ball to Mikey Sheehy and every club in the country or every club in the county knew that they were going to do it. So they won one county championship um, and he would have been on Kerry under 21 teams and he reckons it was a time where Kerry had the eye off the ball and a lot of talent slipped through the net because they were obviously focusing on Mikko's side, which were you know delivering all Ireland at the time and it was the same management that were over both. Um, so yeah, it's interesting he brought that into Limerick Took over their under 21s, they were at a very bad place. And where he brought it to it was just unbelievable. And then he goes 15, 20 years later and repeats the trick with the tip footballers. And, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, so it's look, well worth having a look back in that. And it's, it is it is a tragedy, uh, gone far too soon. So um, we're going to come back after this with the football pod. We're going to have a look at a couple of the games at the weekend. But we just wanted to start the pod this week with a, a few words on Liam Kearns.
2: The Football Pod on Off The Ball in partnership with
0: AIB proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships Hashtag The Toughest Hello there and you're very welcome back to episode 9 of The Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue It is a very big weekend of football ahead The round 6 of the leagues and as I mentioned before every single game matters the uh, Twitter account at GA League Tables. Very helpfully put together all the permutations for the weekend. And it turns out that every single game matters. Let's start with Division 1. Um, Kerry Ruscommon. Uh, Ruscommon are in second place. Kerry are in fifth. I'm not going to say this game doesn't matter, but you know, compared to the rest of the games in the division this week, I think it matters a little less than the others. Aram um, similar enough both both teams are probably in a shootout for the league final in a sense there they're playing each other on um, Sunday and then Donegal take on Mayo and Monaghan take on Tyrone Monaghan-Tyrone is possibly the game that matters the most so that is a game that we will come back to in a couple of minutes time but to start with Donegal lads and Mayo Paddy you raised the point late on in the pod last week are we not going to talk about Mayo lads? They're flying and we're, we're kind of letting them go a little bit under the radar. Are we?
2: No, it's, it's a new approach from the football pod to try to have podcasts for less than two hours. So yes. uh, <laughs> we wouldn't get too deep at the Mayo last week. and kind of touch on them this week. Um, because it is it's a significant game I love the way you said every game is important and then you just wrote off the first two games
1: <laughs> except <laughs> every for game the is first five <laughs> Gary
2: Ross Common isn't important and neither is Armand and uh, Galway but um, no I, I, you're right I, th- I think the two most intriguing games are are Mayo Donegal game because there's so much writing on it for Donegal in particular right. that their Division 1 status is pretty much on the line it's it's do or die for them Um, in this game if they lose this game they're they're more or less gone we've kind of tipped them from day one we knew they would probably struggle in this division there's been a lot of upheaval there we've touched on that in previous pods and they despite a very heartening opening win against Kerry in the first weekend they haven't really been able to get anywhere near that standard again and you're right the the Monaghan-Turon game it's a dream because it's so tight to call Mm. that Monaghan have got a little bit of a bounce. They've done a little bit better than I thought they would. I would have tipped Donegal and Monaghan to go down here. Um, but Vinnie corey has got a bit of a reaction out of them. And Tyrone, we touched on it in depth last week. Yeah. They've got a bounce back. They've got that kick. The challenge for them is can they keep it up and uh, back it up against Monaghan and Clonus. So they are the two most intriguing games, I feel. Um, for, for Mayo, what have they been impressed about? Just a style of play. What we've seen, we, we spoke about Dublin and Derry last week. It's quite a cagey affair. Mayo are nearly playing that uh, free-spirited football. It's a lot of kick pass. And to be fair, McStay has been true to his word. He's, I think, Aidan O'Shea's revelation playing inside has been a success. And what Mayo are getting now, and we said this for a lot of teams, as they come towards the end of the National League, as we start getting closer to that championship time, they've started rolling out their big guns as well. So, so I was impressed with Killing O'Connor the big story for him was getting Tommy Conroy back on the pitch and being confident in himself and in his body that he's had a very very bad injury and he got signs of it in the last couple of weeks but particularly against Ross Compton and Hyde Park uh, last weekend that he's edging back towards really perfect timing from, from Mayo's point of view he's edging towards his form that that was such a, a standout attribute for Mayo when they got to the All-Ireland Final in 2021 so Mayo have been... There's an energy about them and they're starting to build that depth, um, which they have just haven't been able to get due to unfortunate injuries. To Ryan O'Donoghue, Killing O'Connor, Tommy Conroy. These guys are all back now for Kevin McStay. You want to try and keep that momentum going, avoid any injuries, because we know, you know if they win at the weekend, they're, they're not far off making a league final. Could they win a National League title? And also they've got the first really big game of the championship when they play Roscommon uh, on, the Easter, on the Easter weekend. So I've been impressed with them, their style of play, the depth of players that they're starting to get back in and just the really feel-good factor that McStay has brought to that team after it was a pretty pretty dour 2022 for them. So at so this weekend, if they beat Donegal, I think they're they're in prime position to make that league final and possibly yeah. win a national title again.
1: You have to say that like the job that McStay has done is... So impressive because Mayo were at a low ebb there at the end of last year, all through the winter. And you'd be thinking, can they actually raise it? Now, can someone go into that dressing room and actually pick them up off the floor after losing a couple to retirement and to Australia? Can someone go in and drag them up? And he's done it. And you'd have to say they're in the top. I would say, I don't know about your power rankings, Tommy, but I would put them in the top three. (laughs) I put them in the top three in the country. I'd say they're in with a serious shout. I just fourth. think it is it's a credit to them because they have a complete you they have a complete new full forward line because they're going to have probably Conroy, Ryan O'Donnell who they didn't have at the end of last year and Aiden Shea in there with James Carr playing the merc- Mercurial James Carr <laughs> playing a lot better as well like so you would have to say that job that they've done is highly impressive and I, I think that they're that they're definitely going to rattle it this year I don't know whether you'd put them favourites at the moment probably not whether they want to go for the National League title or not is hard to know as well but kind of no choice. from the evidence we've seen they're top three.
2: Oh, I, yeah. I, I agree I think they're right in the mix I do I agree with that And he, if you look James Horn had done an unbelievable job for them over the years and it just kind of petered out at the end of last season there was a lot of negativity around we spoke <laughs> about we had James on the podcast the league final and just the, they were well beaten at the championship then they lose they're two, two of their absolute standout defenders, and Oshie Mullen, but also just an absolute icon of Mayo GA, and Lee Keegan. And you're thinking these guys are right up against it. But to be fair, what we've seen to date over the first kind of three, three months of the season, okay, slow enough start. They scrape a draw against Galway the open night in the league, but they have been building really, really well. And, and the key thing for Mayo, like said, they've just they've been very unfortunate with injuries. That They don't have massive depth of scoring forwards as it is. But in the last couple of years, they've had Kylian O'Connor battling injuries. Then they lose Tommy Conroy. They lose Ryan Otonahoo. But all at the same time, it's been very rare that they've been able to get their best 15 on the pitch. And that's what McStay has been able to build towards throughout the National League. But you have to say, if you look around the country, there isn't really standout teams dominating... So far this season, there's not a standout favor for the All Ireland Kerry. It's going to be challenging for them to go back to back. They've been, they haven't really got anywhere near the heights of that yet. Dublin, even with players coming back, we spoke about them. They have their own challenges in Ulster. It's quite, you know, Ulster's always tight to call. But what Mayo have done and in danger, I suppose, at the goal, we were going to become the dominant team in, in Connacht. Mayo are answering that so far, uh, year to date, and it's shaping up the Connacht Championship is shaping up very, very nicely. But the key, I feel, for McStay and for Mayo is is injuries. They're building depth, but if they lose out to... The same as any team, if they lose a couple of their key guys, it can really, really hurt them. But if if you get Mayo's best 15 players on the pitch come summer, they will be a handful for every single team in this championship
0: and nobody will want to come across them. Yeah, it's obvious that, as you mentioned it there, each of the kind of contenders this year if they lose their key boys it yeah. kind of takes so much away from them that depth no team really has that depth that we may oh, have seen in the latter don't. half of the last decade um,
1: but you know move. what What McStay What's, has done as well he's getting a tune out of Dermot O'Connor uh, in midfield and like he is a, he's the heartbeat of the team really but when you're trying to to do that from a hard working wing forward kind of role you might be in the game but you <laughs> mightn't
2: yeah you know yeah
1: Whereas he's in the middle of the field directing operations, getting back, doing some crazy interventions, blocking, (laughs) defending, getting up the field and kicking points. So like he's 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 almost an extra 50% of a player this year and last year as well. If you add up all the extras that they have, like it's crazy. Like
2: he was struggling with injury too over the last couple of years. Some engine room, though, if you look at that that midfield it's first of the athleticism of Durban O'Connor and Maddie Rowan. And Maddie Rowan. That's kind of a bit of inconsistency he was creeping into his game last it's season more than probably yeah but but if you get like <laughs> if you're marking those two boys and they're flying fit you are you are gonna be running to the ground come the summer as well so like I say if the key and this is not just for Rio, for all the top teams because of that probably lack of of X factor depth across all counties but for Mayo if they get their one to fifteen their best 15 players on the pitch come summer I agree. With, I agree with you. i probably had them higher than four in your power rankings, Tommy. But less okay. said about that the better. All but right. We'll see. <laughs> but but I I fancy them this weekend against Donegal. Donegal are in a
0: very very different position, and now we're going to chat about them now. Yeah, yeah. We're going to move into Donegal as well. And when you mentioned the engine room, uh, Jack Kearney, a kind of middle third player, Jordan yeah. Finn impresses early in the league. Bob too. is one of the new boys that McStay has put in there. They all have that sort of engine. Um. So that's a bit of depth there as well for Mayo. So interesting we'll keep an eye on that game this weekend let's go to Donegal and if I could recommend a piece for you to read this week Carol Kane's piece in the Irish News well worth it this piece now has been quite a while in the works I heard it was coming Um, I've been trying to get my head around the Donegal story over the last couple of weeks as well it is a complex convoluted (laughs) issue lads like any issue involving a county board and a fallout it's a dangerous story <laughs> uh, this was executed exceptionally well by Carr. He's spoken to a lot of people involved and painted the picture as well as can be at this stage. The title is A County in Turmoil The Inside Story on Carl Lacey's Departure from the Donegal Academy. Having spent 18 months building and developed, fe- developing a new football academy in Donegal, the county's most decorated player in history, Carl Lacey stepped down in January and Carroll O'Kane delves into the fallout. So, to give you it in, in short, there had been issues and a bit of frostiness development between the Academy and the County Board. They had been set up as <clears throat> possibly two separate entities. Um, it, it's a funny one, like some counties put an awful lot of money into this sort of thing. Others don't. Uh, Wexford, I think, have actually made a huge uh, commitment recently. I think they, I'll get the figure here. I think it's 400 grand they've committed. Mm-hmm. Um, Wexford have committed 385,000 euro over five years to an identical scheme that Donegal had. So I don't think Donegal are anywhere close to that. Um, they had theirs running completely free of charge with s coaches traveling to schools for 6 a.m. sessions without getting a cent. Um,
1: I think that's easy. Who, who, who was getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to do a gym session there <laughs> who was in school? I couldn't they, get out of school for or for 9 o'clock in school. What, you mean the, the, the mind, kids?
2: Serious?
0: <laughs> the new age Jimmy. That's, That's they had the it going boy success. yeah they had it going um, but essentially in January they released a statement as a group we have lost all confidence in the government of Donegal GA oh, yeah. and everyone involved with the under 14, 15 and 16 squads left the academy alongside Lacey who had stepped down um, so one of the most interesting points in this without getting into the who said what who did what politics was the fact that in October, late November, Rory Kavanagh had a coaching ticket that went in front of the Donegal County board that had Carlacy on it and Jim McGuinness on it. And for whatever reason, that's not bad, that didn't get over the line. And it would have had Michael Murphy on the panel. Mm, that's not in the piece. I would imagine perhaps that would have been happening, yeah. Surely. That's. Possibly Harry. That's
1: hearsay. That's hearsay.
0: <laughs> that's, uh, that's hearsay. And, and Murphy's been on the record, and, you know, he said his mind is made up in June. But Kavanaugh, Lacey, McGuinness, that's a slightly yeah, north moment for Donegal. Like, whatever happened there, whatever we it it looks it on paper, but we what have we said about Donegal on paper? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so, then it says in the piece that McGuinness was on um, a UEFA pro license mm. course. So, like, was it a case of, no, I know that the, the, the piece is kind
0: of... Guinness would have been in the background. He would, would have been, been in the back background, but... Rory Cavanaugh was going to be the man, wasn't he? Yeah, Cavanaugh was yeah. going to be the man. And, and obviously, Cavanaugh had been over St. Union's and they were in the road to the county final. That went to a replay. It was uh, finished off in very dramatic fashion. There was a couple of controversies there as well. And I think their coaching ticket and their push for the job was kept under wraps up until that weekend and at the end of October. And... Essentially, it kind of all fell through, and uh, Donegal went another way. So, and look, by under a, wraps, when they say under wraps, like what well, I don't think, did they propose it to of, the county board I wonder? Well, my reading of it is that they didn't want the proposal until the county final was wrapped up and done. So, it was quite late
1: in the day when it was put forward. I know, and but that's a potential reason why, possibly, yeah, because I know sure. that in Kerry, it was, it was at the same time Kerry had no manager, right, and it was so open. Of what was happening, there was interviews on this date, and who was on that ticket, and who was mm-hmm. on that ticket, and that was being criticised as well that it was too open. So it's either completely hush hush, or it's too open. There's probably a middle ground that's best, but if you if you don't disclose it, the chances are you don't get that feel good bounce off it. They probably yeah, missed. Yeah. They probably missed the boat, did they?
0: Well, it's it's just it's very hard to know. Um, but I tell you what, the piece is well worth reading, and I would just show you a county where there's. There's quite a bit of discontent and disarray and arguing, and a lot of people who feel like Carl Lacey should have been backed, and the project that they had right. they had began, it should have found a way to resolve it and get that on the on the on the right path. But look, we've yeah. seen it with certain counties; if they get a couple of things wrong, it's very well, easy I, to fall. Honestly, behind me, I, fall. I mean, just
2: like I, I think this is a very unfortunate situation, and the reaction to it, like say, Carl Lacey is. Uh, Durrigal icon up there, most decorated player. He has the experience, the playing experience of, of being successful at the highest level, as does Rory Kavanagh, Jim Guinness as a player and a coach. He has the academic background, his master's, the work he does in universities there. He seems like the ideal fit to go in. Whatever about the senior position under Rory Kavanagh, just the development of an underage development system in Donegal which and I know the piece delves into this The Donegal okay over the last maybe 10 years or so they've been one of the dominant senior teams in, in the Ulster Championship but they haven't really had any success at schools or underage level in comparison to the likes of a Tyrone, a Tyrone or a Derry mm-hmm. or a Monaghan even even Cavan would have had a, had a lot of success in comparison to, to Donegal over that period of time the biggest issue and the biggest challenge for counties is when players or coaches, so underage players or senior players and their coaches aren't aligned with the administration of that county board. And I understand that players and coaches have a very, maybe, different approach. They're on the ground. There might be um, friction between the on field and the administration in the background. That's not a Donegal thing. That is across, I'd say, every county. We've spoken about it before, the, the administration in. In Crow Park, for example, the late the All Ireland Club final, the issues that there seems to be a disconnect with what happens on the field and in the boardrooms of counties and executives. If that is not aligned, you do start getting situations like this. And the most successful counties, we had Rory Gallagher on the show talking about this in in Derry, when the on-field stuff is aligned, and it doesn't have to agree all the time, but there's They can complement each other. They can come to a compromise and an agreement between the county board and the players and the coaches. That is a recipe for success. When that starts to go awry, you do start getting issues like this. And we've seen it. We spoke about it, Tommy, with Mead for the last couple of years where there's stuff going on off the pitch and it's clearly impacting the whole atmosphere around football in the county. I was very fortunate with our Dublin team. We had very good alignment with the County Board, John Coslow and these guys, there was a support from both parties. We understood and respected, okay, there are certain things we mightn't necessarily agree wholeheartedly on, but we've come to a compromise. There was dialogue there. There was respect between the parties. And in this instance, If you're in the Donegal County Board and somebody is going out of their way to try and set up your volunteers going to coaching sessions, you have a figurehead and someone like Carl Lacey with total respect across the county to set up a pathway for underage players, that has to be seen as beneficial to everyone involved in Donegal GAA. That has to be made work. And yes, if there's disagreement, and from reading the piece, it's around kind of logistics, administration, finance, always comes into it, whether you like it or not. But the county board and Carl and his management team, there has to be a way to find a compromise there because Carl Acey and and, and the coaches have lost out. Donegal County Board have most certainly lost out on a really good program and place to bring through younger players. But the sad thing here, the underage players in Donegal 14, 15, 16 years of age, boys, girls that would have been involved in these development squads and would have been exposed to this type of coaching from brilliant, brilliant coaches and brilliant players in Donegal's history. They're the ones who are missing out most here. Hmm. So if there's ego, if there's personality clashes, if there's a county board cannot see the vision that Carl Lacey and Jim McGinnis and these guys have for the future of Donegal football, I think that's an unbelievably sad situation to be in. And the success that Donegal have had over the last decade since Jim McGuinness's reign and the brilliant core group of players they had, we can see that that's starting to come to an end. We, we see that the pipeline is drying up and if that can't be rectified and we're seeing this situation play out in the national media, it's just a really sad situation for all parties. But the bottom line is the young players, young Gaelic footballers in Donegal, they're the ones who are they're the ones taking the biggest hit on this and that's a terrible situation. This needs to be fixed and Without knowing the, the complete ins and outs, if I was in Donegal GAA, I would want someone like Carl Lacey involved as much as humanly possible in the future success of football in that county. So it's surprising and it's disappointing to see it develop like this over the last couple of weeks. Yeah.
1: I think, I think Tommy, that like Rory or Kevin Lacey and McGuinness would be a dream ticket for any county in the country Anywhere, right? not just their home county do <laughs> you know Anywhere. like anyone be looking at that going oh my god how jealous are we that the boys are after getting sorted like that above it's that, like that would have been monumental yeah it would have been a monumental appointment but that article by Carr makes it makes the Donegal County Board look so amateur mm. and he he had a quote from McGuinness's book saying that mm. they wanted donations around the All-Ireland time and they were saying don't send them to the county board like it was just... It, it was yeah, and like I'd, be, I'd only, be very...
0: Like you can't obviously paint everyone with the same brush or something like that. And McGuinness's quote at the time was, was uh, yes. he went looking for money from outside and they were like, don't get... So like, that's an opinion. And like, I think... But, it, but the it, other you know, thing on a Every county board is, has problems and there's always friction. Loads of good work as well.
2: County boards and, and coaches and things like that. A county board have to look after things away from the pitch and the, the wider of games in that county. But there has to be some sort of alignment there and uh, for, for this like, for this to collapse completely like there might be concessions that in Donegal's Carl Lacey might have to make in certain instances and certain concessions that the county board will have to make but surely they can. everyone there can see the benefit of this vision it just needs to be made work in, there has to be some sort of compromise but for this yeah. to just collapse altogether it's just
0: like like academies well, that were allowed like, to re- return to training on the 1st of March there was no training in Donegal they're hoping like to get it back for the 18th of March they have no coaches so
2: it's
1: it's the players, the kids in this instance for underage teams. They're the ones taking the hit. That's yeah, but for 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 every coach to walk with Carl is stark as well. It says something. Like it says it, 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 says it all. It, it says shows everything. What yeah, solidarity. Yeah, exactly. And you're saying that the the young lad taking hit hundred percent. And once in their history, Donegal have been in all ireland minor final. Yeah, how? In God's name is that. And someone like Carl Lacey, as you said, with all his expertise, all his playing experience, his academia goes in, tries to take it by the scruff of the neck and
0: yeah, take it rid yeah. of him.
1: Or it, it, there's a up, which is, it's very disappointing to hear, to be honest. It is. And like Donegal, for as long as we've been doing
0: this podcast, which is since 2021, Donegal, our team, that we've allowed ourselves to get excited by, but maybe when stuff is going on in the background, it's just, there's a reason why, Things aren't just clicking on the field. I think Eamon McGee... But you know
2: what, Tommy? I, I think Donegal, this will this will hit Donegal. Maybe not necessarily. We're talking about this weekend. They're the right up against it to uh, stay in Division 1. That could be an immediate hit. That's not necessarily linked to this scenario. If this scenario continues to fester and there is no um, investment and there's no solution found to this in the underage systems of Donegal this, what's happened in the last couple of months is going to hit Donegal for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that's, that just, I'm not from Donegal. you know what I mean? I don't have a vested interest in this, but I just think any county you're trying to look at, what's the pathway for your younger players to try and come up through the system and give them the best opportunity to represent the county at senior level. And for Donegal, like gee, one minor final. This is a football mad county. Like, yeah. mm. it's not like there's. Like, it's splitting, They're they're losing players to hurling or soccer or rugby or whatever. This is a football mad county, and that's why it's so surprising to see it see it happening. But if this isn't fixed, and it look, it looks pretty there at the minute. Don't
1: totally like, you is This gonna hurt them for decades. Like. Yeah. Would you have to say as well as a as a young fellow, right, or a young boy or girl, a year lost of that level of maybe development or training. at That right, age is it's, it's like three years. Yeah, it's crucial. You know, it's not like you're 21, you're losing a year, or look, we'll make you don't make it back. Like that, those development years are so important. That's why it would have been so exciting having Carlace involved. But to lose a year if they don't get assorted, that is damaging. Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: M McGee in his Irish Star column last week put it very well. He said that ousting Lacey was as if Donegal got a winning lotto ticket and they just flushed it down the toilet. So mm-hmm. um go have a read of Carol Kane's piece Um and make your own mind up what's going on, Donegal. It is a story that will roll on, and I'm sure we'll hear plenty from the Donegal County Board, and uh hopefully Car Lacey at some stage gets a chance to chat and fill us in. On- so you
2: know hopefully it's fixed
0: and it can come to some exactly. sort of solution for this
2: that would and be ideal get back involved in some sort of compromise but you don't you can't afford to have people of that quality walking away no. from River County without any sort of replacement either mm. <laughs> it's not like oh if Carl Lacey goes with another three or four guys maybe not as good as Carl stepping in the whole thing just seems to have collapsed so that, that just yeah. hopefully that is fixed sooner rather than later and a compromise can be arranged um, for
0: Duny Galt's sake Michael McGeehan, who would be uh, an incredibly experienced coach, is seemingly um, heading up the academy now. And himself, McGeehan, Lacey, the former chairman, Mick McGrath, who would have been the chairman at the time of the... uh, This all kind of went down. And the new chairman, Fergus McGee, could not be contacted on the Thursday and declined to comment. So that's that piece. Go have a read of it. I want to move on to Clonus. We will go back to the dubs last year and how that game went down in a couple of minutes. But I want to bring... James O'Donoghue back in time to the summer of 2018 and the 73rd minute under the standing clonus. He gets the ball in acres of space. He's going for an outside of the right point, was it? Outside of the left. I don't he have an outside of, right outside, point, so outside of the right point. the left. point. So was, the Cueses are nowhere near him.
1: There's nobody near him. And he punts it. <laughs> Hang on, no. Back up. A you are going for the score and he dropped the short, did you? I'm not Keat Wood. It was an absolute delightful outside talk is true for anyone who doesn't remember <laughs> talk is true <through> <laughs> what's going on you're a goal down uh, do you know what I do remember about that I was dropped right but I was <laughs> named on the team and like all friends and family and everything travelled up I obviously couldn't say I was dropped no. <laughs> so they travelled up to Cologne, like I felt so oh, that. <laughs> about a six hour drive up and next thing there has been one change on the Kerry team <laughs>
0: Who uh, you took your place? Four and a half uh, hours.
1: Oh, Danny, he came back in. I think. So it was the full so forward, forward like Cliff that... Donohue and Stephen O'Brien, was it? I forget. I forget. Clifford
0: Donahue Gainey, Stephen O'Brien at twelve. Sean O'Shea who kicked eight points, seven from frees at eleven, and Kevin McCarty who's now playing with London this year started. So they'd have had you in instead of the Cliff Jimmy at least. The Cliff, <laughs> the Cliff scored
2: one I three. Won. Cliff was already fifteen at the time. Well, James, go on. You're
1: you're chasing it. You're in, well, we you're were, in the we were three down. Yeah, yeah. We were. McManus got a great goal in the first half, straight from a begging kick out. It was outrageous. It was. now was a beautiful hot day. He put the ball down on the tee and he launched it. I'm not even joking. I reckon it hit the twenty one on the other side of the field. <laughs> the other <laughs> way, a hot O'Neill just flies. But they got a they got a root one goal anyway. McManus had a great finish, and we were chasing the game after that. I think we we're we we're three down. Maybe a minute to go. So I was kind of around the place trying to get the ball. I was underneath the, I was by the dugout outside. I don't know, I was there standing there. It must be a stand there. Mm. And Dan, he was inside. So obviously I just pinged it an outside of the left in. Dan, he got a lovely flick down to Cliffy and it was tight angle. I'd say he was about six or seven yards out, but well over on the right yeah. and the 13 corner spot. And he just pinged the side of the foot across his body back into the far Such corner It's a beautiful finish just a great finish pure instinctive yeah. because when you get a tap down like that next to the goal if you think about it your your time is up you have to not think about it so whatever the first thing that comes to you if that's not right you won't score so mm. for him to actually get the catch and the finish right without thinking was just exceptional so we got we got level and then we had we had the next we had the next chance I I actually had a chance. I was one-on-one with my man and I turned back because I was like, I don't know, will I slot this? And we worked a shot and we ended up, I think David Moore had a shot from about 35 yards, just went wide. So we drew and then we beat Kildare, but we got knocked out of the the group. Poor
0: poor Monaghan were in the All-Ireland semi-finals if they had beaten, if they had beaten you that day.
1: Yeah. Monaghan beat Galway the following week. Galway needed to beat Monaghan Monaghan to avoid, to avoid to Dublin us. in the semi-final they'd have been all earned final like, I know and I remember they, that, they, yeah. I think they played a weakened team so they, we, they played, we played a weakened team but you know, Monaghan beat them we, I, we played Kildare at think, home
0: I think they countered that I think Michael Meehan told us last year at our Road Roadshow that they didn't play a weakened team but Monaghan just caught them
1: <laughs> they had one eye on the semi they got wiped like, maybe they fenced yeah. themselves against Dublin maybe they wanted to play Dublin in the semi rather than the final you wouldn't know what's going on in the thought process there. But we what played was the there then. What was the experience of playing in Clones? As in like, was it... Like, Istanbul, do you think like, that there is a factor there that Monaghan is and, Istanbul. at home? <laughs> I, Istanbul, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, but are you saying, is it, is it a fiery wave? Anyway? Do you know, like, I, compared, compared to other league games that you've made to play, was that the first time you played in Clones? It was. Um, Yeah, the atmosphere was was great, but it was more of a... Football y atmosphere rather than, um, you know, an intimidating Mm. kind of an atmosphere. Um, I think that Manhattan definitely fancies their chances. It's a tough place to go, no doubt about it. Mm. Um, but it's different now with Tyrone and Manhattan. That's different, get the fish that rivalry. But yeah, it's like that. That'll be that will be an intense, intense crowd.
2: I always enjoyed it up there. I have to say, we had some brilliant. Uh, we, I don't think we ever played championship there but we played Man in a lot of league games obviously over the years some
1: brilliant league games Always in Clonus was it?
2: Yeah we, we, we must have played up there four times I'd say um, I remember one year in particular maybe it might have been that season it might have been 18 or might have been 17 or 18 and there were Jack McCarron scored about 1-7 or 1-8 against yeah. it they went 6 or 7 points up it was a beautiful it was, I think it was the second last league game so it was coming end of March start of April so it was getting close to the championship there, and there was a massive crowd it was a good day and we ended up coming back and McCaffrey got a goal I think, did he? At the end, Tommy oh, i have to double check that one, Did either McCaffrey or
1: he assisted a goal You should know that at the top of your head Tommy, come on
2: <laughs> Yeah, you know these things but anyway it was just a brilliant atmosphere it was a brilliant any time we went up to us, but particularly this stage coming towards the end of the National League was always a better we played them the first game of the National League as well one year and it wasn't I didn't enjoy that one too much they beat us but as you start getting closer to the championship, not just Clonus this weekend, but weather gets better, the pitches are getting harder and you can smell the championship and the crowd sense that as well. So for a game like this, where as James is saying, it's two two big rivals, big, big rivals with a lot of history between these two teams. And a lot of stake. And and a lot at stake. This is lit. I agree. Whoever loses this one is pretty much gone. And, I'm intrigued to see... I'm intrigued to see Toro because they've been pretty brutal in this National League, but bounced back with, with I'd say, their best performance in the guts to 18 months last weekend, beating Kerry in, in Oma. Monaghan, I I didn't fancy them at all from the get-go at the start of this league campaign, particularly after seeing the McLerny against Kerry. I, I thought they were very poor and the right was on the wall, but Vinnie Curry's managed to get a big kick out of them. Mm. And... Like I said, with a local derby and Clonus could swing for him. Clonus is a big advantage uh, this weekend. But it's, this will have the sense of a championship game. Really. But it's not the actually, it's, yeah, you're, you're it's down, down much So I agree. I think it's going to be the most intriguing and most, <laughs> most intense game of the weekend. But I'm fascinated to see can Donegal, can they keep the show on the road with Vinnie Curry and, and Managhan. Sorry, I'm more importantly with, with Tyrone Can they back up that win against Kerry? Mm. Or is are are they gonna fall into that trap again and that inconsistency and underperforming? So an intriguing game this weekend, but yeah,
0: the loser is out of here. Yeah, in a precarious (laughs) position. You were right, Patty. 2017 McCarron kicked one nine. One night, yeah. yeah. Berno got the first goal for Dublin that day. You kicked two points and Jack McCaffrey scored a goal in injury time as you won by he did. the goal.
2: yeah, yeah. It a great kick pass into him, which I think was from me. There you go. <laughs> Let's, get
0: <that laughs> Let's get that footage. Let's get that footage.
2: I do you know what? Because I, I wasn't sure did he assist there or not. Well, Most of kick passes right were shots
0: dropping short. No, no, this was
2: from way deeper. <laughs> this, was, this was outside of the right for me. It was similar to where you kicked yours from. Nice. Um, I just remember it was a great game because they were going wild because they were looked they looked like they were home and host yeah Um, and the atmosphere was class it was a decent crowd from Dublin as well so Clonus is a cool place to play lads yeah it's 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 always a nice one to go up there it's not the most uh, dressing rooms (laughs) (laughs) etc it's not five star but um,
0: but the atmosphere is class Armagh Galway Mm. what are we expecting here it's two teams that are uh essentially safe like Arma could so get the tried. winner t, for this one the winner probably makes the league final don't they? Yeah yeah say. well yeah they put themselves in a really good position going into the last yeah. game I think the last games it all mean something to be honest Arma are on five points they actually they actually aren't fully safe yet uh Galway are
1: on six they're in third place um this is if if Galway win it then Kerry Kerry would have to beat Galway on the last day to keep Galway from reaching the and yeah. beat Common, so it's a long shot
2: trending towards a Galway Mayo league final I
1: yeah think. yeah I think so yeah
0: league final that nobody wants to be in
2: Well, Galway I, have a bit of time if
0: they're in it yeah they do but they'll be facing one of the Mayoras common in the, in
1: the I don't buy in into that doesn't want to be anything really no I think win a trophy what a boost now, oh, don't lose the final if you get there, I would say that because that <laughs> that could be a pin in a balloon kind of situation, but what a chance to win a trophy, win a national final in front mm-hmm. of a massive crowd in Croke Park. That could start, that kickstart your season yeah. and you're into then probably eight games, into a run of eight games to win All-Ireland off the back of already winning a trophy. Yeah, I think it's, but I think, think, think it's, not, it's not, it's not a downside at all. You think
2: Galway situation, lads, as well, like, like they lost the All-Ireland final last year. This is, I think this would be a big bounce back to, to go and win a National League. Yeah, I mean, They're a developing team. Um, Mayo, even though they're new coaches, you could argue, say, for their senior players, as a National League. They, they won one a couple of years ago and they beat Kerry. I still think it's really important to them as well. But for Galway, I just, I, I just think that would be a big win for this Galway team and for Patrick Joyce and, and that whole group. And then for Mayo, the fact that they have new management team in. I think it would be a great start for McStay and his management team to get over the line if if maybe perhaps it might mean as much to the likes of McKinley O'Connor or Aidan O'Shea who been on the road for so long they've won a national league before but I just think for the entire group and a new coaching team like McStay I think it would be valuable to both both of those teams and I think like I say this stage of the season you get a sense of where teams are at in the National League and start looking at, okay, these, these teams are doing well, these teams are struggling. And over the course of Division One, I, I think Mayo have gotten stronger nearly every week. And I think Galway, Galway really should have, should be nearly in the league final already. They should have beaten Mayo the first night in Castlebar, they should have beaten Donegal as well. They had a couple of chances at the end. So, I think they've probably been the two best teams in Division 1. There's been inconsistency across the other teams and there's just been poor performances the likes uh, of Donegal and Tyrone earlier in the campaign. So I I would back Galway to beat, win that game okay. against math. I, I would. The fact that they've, they're have they starting to get the key guys back. Shane Walsh is obviously back. Finnerty's back. Kelly McDade is back. They're still missing Comer. Obviously, he's a, he's a big loss to them, but I've been impressed with Galway any time we've seen them through this National League and they're starting to get their, their key guys back as well. So I would fancy them against that Armatic.
0: James, you Thank saw Arma in the flesh in Tralee. Was yeah. Tralee, wasn't it? Don't bring that game up again. This game is in the box at Athletic Grounds. Sorry, I'm going to go back to that game. Arma. And Galway played out an epic All-Ireland quarterfinal, like the most chaotic mental game of football. Game of the um, season last year, probably. Probably. Like even off Everton was just absolutely insane. <laughs> and RMI obviously thrives within that manic period of the game. Mm-hmm. When there was a bit of structure on it, they seemed to be in a bit of bother and they needed those goals late on when they started bombing balls in on top of Gleason. They got mm-hmm. a couple of goals and dragged themselves back into it. Can you see Merit and Armagh changing their style a little bit this year, trying to add something a little, a little different, uh, trying to save the chaos maybe for a little later in the championship?
1: I can. I mean, you see the way that Armagh play when they're when they're rolling, when they're going well, is chaotic because they're kicking the ball and there's some being turned over and they're on they're being counterattacked against. So I think that even when they're playing brilliantly, it's going to bring an element of of that chaos. I think the Galway, I think the Galway like, like the structure. So I think it's going to be, it's a hard one to call. I mean, I, I don't think that Armagh should go completely away from what they were doing and start playing a bit safer because in the end, at the end of the day, they're going to take away their main threat, which is kicking the ball, catching and putting it over the bar. Because as we said, when the when the play is slow and controlled and maybe in a system, I, I don't think that Armagh are as effective at picking off scores. If you look back at Galway, like Galway have proven that they can play the football, they can play the beautiful, attractive brand that they did in the All Ireland final. But I think that they're also excellent at playing the nitty gritty stuff. If you look at some of the the athletes, some of the characters, the personalities, and just the sheer size of men they have, I think that they, that they're excellent at playing that that structured way as well. So I don't know if Armagh going back into a structured place is going to necessarily suit them against Galway. Um, for me Galway are, are just impressing me more and more I think they have an X factor in Keno O'Neill as a coach I think he's improved them massively since he's gone in there Um I said so they can play it every way and they've made a few additions I think it's going to be it's going to be a brilliant game I think that Armagh at home will fancy their chances but I think that Galway just have it all at the moment I, I, I would I would fancy Galway to to pick up a win even though away from home wins are not easy but that could yeah. be a statement yeah. win for them.
0: Okay. That sounds good. It's going to be a cracking weekend of action. Just to give you a heads up on what games are on TV, on Saturday, meet in Dublin is at three o'clock. Uh, that is going to be on RTE. And Arnaud Galway has the unenviable task of being up against Ireland England at 5pm. So maybe, boys, we might watch that back Sunday morning before we record the pod. <laughs> Possibly. So, uh, try, nobody tweet us the score. We'll put it that way. Uh, Kerry Ruscommon is going to be live at 7.30 on Saturday afternoon on TG Car. On Sunday, Derry Clare is going to be available on the BBC iPlayer. Mon and Tyrone is on TG Carr Live at 1. 45 pm And Donegal Mayo is going to be on a quarter to four. So a feast of football live. Division 2. Again, every game matters. Let's uh, have a quick run. Through Does every game matter and now you're going to list off ones that <laughs> don't matter. Every game Except matters. For... But,
2: <laughs> Except for know, these
0: three. <laughs> the game that matters the most is Limerick Kildare because Limerick... Liverpool... And, and we we didn't get into it from the start. Limerick, have got rid of their manager, Ray Dempsey, this week. Dempsey was in the mix for the Mayo job, got very close to it. Uh, he had Keith Higgins on his management ticket. He had Oshie McConville, if you remember, yeah. on his management ticket. That very high-profile Mayo chase for uh, that job. Didn't get it. He obviously got approached by Limerick and got announced as the Limerick manager in the late autumn and went about putting together a backroom team then before Christmas. Took over Limerick. They've had a tough time in Division 2. They got their first points of the weekend of the league last weekend against Meade with a draw. Possibly should have beaten Meade. And on Thursday night, we heard that Dempsey had uh, effectively handed in his notice that he was going to be stepping down. And this was off the back of a team meeting with the players that had. Um, The Irish Examiner reported that uh, Dempsey announced his intention to step aside on Thursday evening after the players met last week. Issues around man management and preparation came to a head following the 24-point defeat against Cork. They are currently bottom of Division 2 and they also confirmed that selector Mark Fitzgerald, a Kerry native, will be taken over from Dempsey for the rest of the season and they will be making no further comments. I always find it interesting, and we don't know, we're not inside the Limerick camp, but I, I would find it interesting that Man management is something that's brought up when you think of yeah. the fact that Limerick had someone like Billy Lee in charge for five years and you know would have developed a lot of really strong relationships with a squad of players that he had. Can't be easy for the next man to come in, whether he has a different way about him, different personality, wants to put a different stamp on things. Uh, yeah, man management is, is, is one of those issues I think is easy to just throw in there. That, if that was the problem. But, but I think it's not a good one that that's
2: come up either. Like you we know, don't like the tactics or whatever it might be, or like man management. There's clearly been for them to say that <laughs> there's been personality clashes there. That's reading between the lines. Um, we spoke about this before, myself and Jimmy, and we've had coaches on here. The you only get one go at a first impression, and you need to set your style out. Like I say, particularly whether it's a brand new coach or. Um, or you're taking over a team that hasn't been successful or they have been successful, it doesn't really matter when you come in as the main man into a dressing room full of players and, and, and back room, you, you need to make a positive impression. You've got a finite window there where you get the players on side, you get the key players on side and you set your stall out. And right from the get go, that doesn't seem to have gone very well in Limerick. And I don't like, if you don't know the ins and outs or from the beginning of the season, they have, struggled massively in Division 1. The success they've had and built up over the last number of years, they say four or five years, building under Billy Lee to get up to this position, all that good work seems to have been basically wiped away in the space of two months. Um, And clearly, whatever's happened at the beginning of Ray Dempsey's tenure, it just hasn't worked. Whether it's maybe a bit from the players, a bit from the coaching side, but the the management thing is never a good thing to come in they clearly haven't got on so that that first manager's speech and the first couple of weeks of training obviously didn't seem to go very well by all accounts and um, it's a really tough situation for Limerick and a difficult one for them because like I said, they had made such big strides under Billy Lee for it to seemingly crumble pretty quickly and that's disappointing and like we said from again from day one we expected them to be under real pressure in Division 2, but just the manner at which they've been kind of swatted aside in most of their games, is that's the worrying thing. They got a bit of a kick against me to be interested now with the change. That came the, after the players' meeting. But the, the big thing I'd say, this do, this type of thing does put pressure on the players mm-hmm. to perform. That if, if the players are saying to kind of say, listen, this, this isn't working out and nearly we're going to push the manager out, it does put pressure on the players to perform mm-hmm. immediately. Um, and this weekend we, we spoke about monitoring the throne as kind mm. of or die in Division 1 whoever loses this one and, and even, if, look, whoever, even if whoever wins this game is still right in the relegation trouble but if, if Kildare or Limerick lose this game in the weekend they're gone so there's pressure on the players already because of the game but I think there's even a little bit more pressure on the Limerick players now because everyone's got to be looking for a response from them if the last manager didn't work it's on them to try and make the new one work
1: yeah, sure. I think it's very hard as well going in as a manager after a team has had a standout year or kind of maxed out a bit like Limerick right. got to the Munster final I know it didn't go exactly how they probably would have planned but a way to carry in Killarney on a beautiful day was was <laughs> a, t- a tough gig to be fair but they had a great year so then when the new manager comes in and they might change one or two things the players must question why are you changing that when we had such a good year last year there's kind of there's kind of a wall up already and he's also if, coming,
0: he's also coming from a completely different county. Yeah. And I think that has to be a factor. When you, I just, when I saw my, like, you're talking about a completely different character to Billy Lee, a fella who's guided Knockmore to back to back titles in Mayo. But what the Knockmore titles mean to Limerick footballers?
1: Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough Like, and those Limerick fellas, they probably had such a great camaraderie with Billy Lee last year. And to split that up was probably, you know, a blow for them anyway.
0: So we briefly mentioned it last week, Kildare, the only team in the country not to score a goal. A fairly stark statistic. They are the second lowest scorers across all four divisions. Waterford are four points behind them. Like we said it about Donegal, on paper, Kildare have quality forwards. What is going on? I, it's, I don't think anyone
2: has been able to put a finger on this like we were speaking at the outset here our predictions are an absolute shambles as we all know but I think we were, we're reasonably confident that Kildare we're going to go well in this division uh, their aspirations of getting back to Division 1 trying to close that gap on Dublin in the Leicester Championship and from day one of this season it nothing seems to have gone well for Kildare they kind of scraped the win in us and only for that could the late revival down there they'd nearly be gone already but it's just the manner of their defeats has been the most surprising thing. To be absolutely wiped in Newbridge by Cork and Derry, um, I don't think... Uh, look, there's just the manner of their defeats. The, the Derry game in particular, you couldn't get a sense of what Kildare were trying to do defensively. Like, Derry could have scored six or seven goals that day. There was no sense of any sort of attacking game plan they look sluggish and lethargic so you are kind of thinking is Glenn Ryan running these guys into the ground and they try to pick for a championship or something like that that's a very 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 risky strategy to take with the new structure and particularly when you're in Division 2 they might be picking for the Thalton Cup if, the, if things keep going the way they're going but just I, I, I just can't get a sense of what Kildare are trying to do here that if like you've watched their games, it's not like they're trying a new style of play where they're maybe bringing everyone behind the ball and trying to be more offensive or they're trying to play all out attack or a running game. There's, it's just such a mishmash of nothingness, really, from Kildare. None of their, none of their players are playing well. There's no standout performances. They've no sort of standout game plan that they're trying to adhere to. And just their energy in the games as well. They just seem so, so flat. Something seems to be amiss since they won here in this league campaign, and if they don't if they don't get a result at the weekend, they're gone. You, you know, it will be the yeah. Tallaght Cup for Kildare, but the players they have, the quality th- that they have in that squad, it's such a surprise. Like we spoke last year, we praised that management team: Glenn Ryan, Rainbow, Dermot Early, Johnny Doyle, absolute legends of Kildare GAA. Hmm. But something seems to have gone haywire so, so far year to date. And if they don't get it back
0: quickly, that this is going to be a long, long year for that Kildare team and their supporters. You mentioned that win in in, in Ennis and that was massive because they have Clare in the head-to-head and even if they lose this weekend and Clare failed to beat Derry, who were obviously one of the informed teams in the country, it means that in the final day, Claire, uh, Kildare will still have a chance to stay up. If they beat mm-hmm. Mead, and um, If Kildare actually, lose to Limerick this weekend, Tommy, I don't see them bouncing back. Know, do you know what, actually? You're right. I'm trying to figure out the, the permutations here in my head. Yeah, you're right. Because uh, one of Limerick or Clare will stay up then with a win in, in the final group game. They play each other. So yeah, must win for
1: Kildare. But in fairness to Kildare last year, the way they were playing, they created a lot, but you got the impression that they could concede a lot. Whereas this year... They've no interest in scoring either. You know, they're not creating anything. <laughs> they're not creating any scoring chances in front of goals. I know that Flynn has been out, um, and he's obviously a massive loss. He's he is Mercurial in fairness to Daniel Flyn. He's he's like, like, yeah. He has been playing he's, average he's he's coming off the bench. I base, know, but look, it's you, you you it's hard to just land back into the team and, and lead the whole thing. He started the after last after injury. But
2: isn't it chibby? you want a few
1: games under your belt yeah. to it's not just to it's not just
2: Daniel Flynn coming back and playing well it solves the problem. It's, this is like systemic. Yeah, like, like Nothing is working for them. Nothing in attack, yeah. in defense, on kickouts. And just the, the Derry game, having watched that, was just such an eye opener. It was like a training match for Derry. And that was in Newbridge. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we spoke about how important Newbridge the advantage of learn Derry games. But it was just like, honestly watching a minor challenge match and that, that was the most worrying thing like I said you can't get any definitive insight into what they're trying to do with the ball or out the ball none of their players are playing well and yet we know how quality Daniel Flynn can be but even him being in his best form there just seems like such wider issues across there. and this is an interesting one for them because teams who haven't been performing they've had a two week window here to take stock to have kind of iron out any sort of issues players might have or coaches might have get some clarity around the game plan and like say Tavio even if Clare don't win this game against Limerick good luck to them. They're, they're finished yeah.
1: money, look, right? if you look at if you look at their forwards on paper for a team who hasn't scored a goal McCormack Kerwin <laughs> Highland Flynn Woodgate like these are fellas that <laughs> they're good players they're players. outstanding they're players incredible players. yeah it is they're such... serious talent there it's just it's disappointing to see that they're, they're there's something obviously going wrong at training like, it does start there. Like, Paddy, you always say it. You resort back to your level of training no matter yeah. what, what goes on. When you're under pressure, that's that's where you fall to. Yeah. There's obviously something going, going wrong in a Tuesday and a Thursday.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. But, but that that's the thing. From, like You'll see this weekend, they've had a couple of weeks to try. They know they're under pressure, that there's no ambiguity there. Anyone involved with Kildare GAA, Those, the coaches, Glenn Ryan, his management team, the players themselves will know they are under pressure to deliver performance. And if they don't, if they don't, like say, right, Jimmy, be rising to the occasion or falling to the your training. If if they don't perform this weekend and are beaten again, that's nearly a write off of a season for them there. And with the quality they have, that's just not acceptable. So that will be one to watch closely this weekend. But both teams, Limerick and Clare, there they have struggled year to date so it might be the highest in quality but it's an important game in terms yeah. of rescuing a season for either one of those teams
0: yeah 100% and like as we know sixth place doesn't guarantee a place in the Sam Maguire either but like Caldera are fighting for their lives at the minute so we'll see what happens Is it, if game. you
1: go down from 2 i I'm, I'm trying to refresh your memory you're definitely, definitely gone yeah. definitely Tarleton you're yeah. out of here maybe, maybe they're looking for a team yeah. holiday yeah. Yeah, win the win the Teltan, they'll be over to Mexico like the West Mead could, boys. They're uh, awesome. playing the long game. They're strategy.
0: <laughs> you could be on awesome. <laughs> um, Yeah, Derry Clare is up up in Omagh. I double checked that it's not it's in Omagh, and Loudon and Cork is on an Rd. The two form teams outside of yeah. Derry really in the division. Uh, probably harsh in Dublin saying that, given that they've won four games. But you know we've been impressed with Loudon and Cork over the last couple of weeks. That'll be very interesting to see where that goes. Um, I'm going to get in trouble for asking this question because apparently I talk about Mead too much. But James, last week you said Derry didn't back themselves to get the ball over the Dublin full-back line enough. Well, you can be sure as hell that Colin O'Rourke's Mead will kick the ball
1: into the Dublin full-back line. But will that be a good thing for Mead to do? Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this game for that reason. I think, and an unpopular opinion maybe that the Dublin full-back line is there for the taking. I think that if you put enough ball in there, if you're willing to maybe... Sacrifice a few or let a few go. All right, I think that if you if you put enough ball in there, there's goal chances there. Um, the way Dublin play at the moment, if you do kick the ball in and it comes back out, I don't think that Dublin are playing with ferocious pace. That they're going to hit you on a massive counterattack. I think that Dublin are playing with a slow build up at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see if me they're punished by Dublin for kicking the ball away. But I think there is there is serious hay to be made if they kick, kick accurately, kick at the right times, and when the Dublin full-back line is marking from the front, kick over them. I, I yeah. think that I think that, that's the danger.
0: I, I'd be worried for two reasons,
1: right? The weather this
0: weekend is supposed to be brutal and similar yeah. to Owen Begg. And Meade got opened up. Paddy mentioned a minor match the other day. It was like under-14s against the Derry Seniors when they played in Derry's hands a couple of weeks ago and Derry destroyed them. The second reason I'd be worried is Paddy, would you be expecting a bit of a backlash from Dublin this week?
2: Um, I, I think both of these teams, it's funny, you would expect they would have learned most lessons from their games against Derry. That for me, we, we spoke about it, they got off a really good start, but we expected teething problems. They're trying to play a new way, a new style of play from, from the Andy McIntyre reign. There's obviously got to be teething issues in that they would have, you would feel or hope that they would have learned a lot from the naivety, I suppose, of that game plan against Derry, about how careless they were, kick passing the ball away. Anytime they did that, they were punished. And for Dublin as well, that second half performance against Derry, that there's lessons to be taken from that. Um, we spoke at length about this that when it's a really, really controlled game, Dublin are still right at the the apex of of Gaelic football when it's a game like that. Sunday or Saturday afternoon in, in Porktownton, it's not going to be like that. Me, they are going to play on the front foot. And in a way, I want to see that because I want to see how Dublin play against that. It's going to be an open game. There's going to be loads of kick passing. There's going to be turnovers. Can Dublin throw the shackles off a little bit and go back to that? I'm not saying they need to be swashbuckling 100% of the time but get some of that risk back in their play and get some of that pace back into their attack I'd love to see Conor Callaghan inside the 21 for 10-15 minutes at a go I think he could have a really good day if that that happens Um, so I think there's both teams I'm hoping have learned lessons from what we've seen over the last couple of weeks particularly their games against Derry I would expect Dublin to win this game I definitely would but I hope to see a little tweak in their play. I thought they were good defensively. I thought the first half against Derry was the best that they played in a long time. Can we keep that element of play? Deal with those kick passes and direct style from from Mead, but also just get that little bit of buzz back in their attack. That's that's what I really want to see them. Like, no, that's what
0: Dublin supporters
2: want to see as well. That bit of energy back in their attack and play.
0: Yeah, hopefully it's a cracking game and a nice little warm up for. Um, I'll go away at five o'clock because we'll obviously all be watching that. Could be a busy Saturday. It'll be a busy yeah. weekend, lads. It's going to be very busy Saturday. Just to mention the fixtures in Division 3, we'll be keeping a close eye on these. The promotion race is fascinating behind Cavan. Four teams are competing for that second spot. Uh, Fermanagh are on eight points. Westmead are on six. Down are on six. And Offaly are on six. Fermanagh take on Westmead in what is going to be one of their two promotion shootouts. Yes. Down take on Longford, and awfullyer face in Tipperary this weekend. Cavan play Antrim. Antrim desperately need a win to keep themselves safe in Division Three. In Division Four, uh, top of the table clash in Ways. Leitrim face Leash, uh, in Carrick on Shannon. They host them. Uh, Sligo take on Carlo. They need a win there, um, to keep their promotion hopes on track. Wexford take on Wicklow. Wicklow still in the mix after a couple of big wins, and Wexford have an outside chance a promotion and the two basement teams in the division Waterford host London it's going to be a great weekend of football lads um, I enjoyed this weekend. thank missed
1: it missed it last week didn't we?
0: yeah I missed it big yeah. time
1: yeah thought a break would be nice it's but not it the same it's not. <laughs> it's just not the same without the football there won't be many weekends off now between here and into July flatter, the race is on yeah 99 games in April April alone 99
0: games in April and with the four Jeez. league finals and 95 championship games in April. Just lads, you will be very busy. We'll be we'll be flat out, lads. We'll be flat out, <laughs> and the football pod will be with you every Monday. So, thanks a million to everyone for tuning in this week. I'm sick, so apologies for the nasally uh, sound coming out of me throughout and a couple of coughs. Just want
2: to say it and tell people anyway. You, you look
0: actually. terrible, isn't it? Yeah, the side down I do <laughs> Up around the edges. bad. I look tuning into YouTube on Tuesday night, <laughs> lads. Thanks again. Great to chat to you, and looking forward to the football this weekend and catching up next weekend on what would be episode 10 of season 3 Paddy Andrews James Adonio have a good week boys cheers thank boys thank you lads good luck see you later